Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, May the 19th, 2023. It is currently 5.36 p.m. Central Time. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. All right, let me, let me explain. Oh, we went live and, you know, whenever we go live, I always give the, the date and time stamp, right? I do that just kind of a, for a historical record. So anyone who listens to the episode has some idea of when it was recorded. Recorded. Now, one of the reasons I do that now, now okay, okay, just, just follow along, just follow along. We'll do a proper intro in just a minute. Okay. Just, just follow along. One of the reasons I do that is so many times I, and it doesn't seem to help. It doesn't seem to help, but you would think if someone is listening to my podcast, right? And they hear me say, you know, good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, May the 19th, 2021. 2020, 2019, 2018, whatever date I give, when they email me, they would say something like, hey, my my comment or my complaint is about an episode you did four years ago, so I'm not sure you will remember. But people don't do that. They'll just email me and start blasting me, and I'll be like... What are they, what are they so upset about? And I'll go look at my like last few sermons or, and I'm like, look, <laughs> I give the date. So could you, <laughs> so when you're upset with me, if you could at least try to place it in some historical context, but that's one of the reasons I give the date so that when someone listens, they can go, Oh, this was four years ago. Do I want to email and, and go crazy on something that was done four years ago or, or do I want to maybe check to see if he still feels, I mean, something, but I digress. But right when we went live, uh, I, I, I always give the date, but you know, I, I usually, what I do is I look at my iPad. So I reached over to grab my iPad and it was plugged in. And as soon as I pulled on it, the cord caught and it almost pulled it completely out of my hands. And I'm like, that would have been bad. I would have been, it is, it is because if you've been following a, a, a <laughs> there's kind of been a, a common denominator the last, uh, this entire week. I don't know what day it is. It's just all blurred together. It's been a crazy long week. So I, I knew I was going to need my iPad to give you the correct date, time, and everything. So I, yeah, you don't really care. I think I could have pulled it off, but you probably heard in my voice when I was like, it is Friday. <laughs> it is, it is Friday, mate. What, <laughs> whenever it was that I, it, I almost dropped the iPad, but you don't care. So, so let's do this again. You ready? Here we go. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, May the 19th, 2023. I think I even got the wrong date last time. 2023. It is currently 5.39 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Have you ever had a conversation with someone about the church they are attending and what they like about it? Have you ever had someone start telling you about what they love about their church, what they like about their church, and have they said something along these lines? 
Oh, the worship is just so sweet. The worship is so good. I love the worship. The worship makes me feel closer to God. I love the worship. And they talk about the worship, the worship, the worship, the worship, the worship. Have you had that conversation? Now, once they start talking about the worship, once they start talking about why they, you know, about loving it and about how great it is, have you ever stopped them at some point and said, well, what is it specifically about the worship that you love? What is it specifically that you are finding so moving, so it's drawing you in so much about the worship? What is it about the worship? And have they been able to offer up something specific, something that makes sense, or do they just continue to speak in very vague generalities? Well, it's just, you just have to feel it. You would just have to experience. It's just a feeling. Is it very vague in general like that? Or do they say, this is what I love about the worship? And they have something specific, like I love it because it's liturgical and I love the liturgical prayers. I love the responsive reading. I like the chants and chant and response. I, I like, I like the lectionary. Is it, it's something specific like that? Or is it, I, I just feel closer to God. Is it something very vague? Now, what I like to do sometimes is say, well, ex- exactly define to me what worship is. What is the highest point? And let me ask you this question. When you think of church, what is the highest point of worship in a church service? Do you think there's a highest point? What what do you think is the most significant point of worship in a church service? Now, I feel most people, when they think worship, they think singing. They think the music. Right? That's what they focus on. The word, when, 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 typically when someone tells me that worship is so great in their church, to me, what they mean by that, oh, the praise band is amazing. And then if you, if you can find out what church they go to and try to watch a service, you're like, oh, the, the, it's got mood lighting. The lights are dimmed. You got the stage lighting. Oh, look at the, look at, and, and everyone has their, their hands up and you're like, oh, okay. It's a very emotionally dr- driven, were a music service and they will say that's the worship does anyone ever say that the highest point of worship is us hearing the word of god preached do you feel preaching is the ultimate form of worship or do you think singing is the ultimate form of worship Now, I think people have very different perceptions of what worship is, what worship isn't, what is the most significant part of worship. I, I, I really do. And, and, and sometimes I'm just curious, if you remove the praise band, right? If you remove the praise band, if you remove the mood lighting, and I hate to call it mood lighting, but I mean, you dim the lights and the lights are on the stage and then they play and then they go acapella and then everyone sings and then they, they start maybe with a more upbeat song and then, they, then there's a template and then they get slower, maybe acapella. And then the worship leader will kind of whisper, Lord Jesus, we welcome you here, like in a very emotional way. And then people are like, oh, it was so powerful. I wonder how much it's powerful because of something spiritual. And it's powerful because a very clear template was being utilized in order to manipulate and impact one's emotions. And I'm not saying manipulate even in a negative way. But everything follows a very strict template in order to get the emotional response. 
I mean, praise bands do things in a specific way, clearly designed to provoke an emotional response. Sometimes they will use an emotional video. Sometimes it's going from a more upbeat down to, you know, and then let's sing it a cappella. Just the ladies, just the men, everyone calm and just listen to what God, like all these things that they do. Now, maybe I'm a cynic. Maybe, maybe I'm too skeptical. But when people tell me they love the worship, I'm always, I always feel that we're speaking a different language. I believe the greatest form of worship is when we sit and reverence and hear the word of God proclaimed and the word of God preached. We're literally hearing from God. See, if we make the singing, think about this. If we make the singing the highest part of worship, then we are saying God listening to us is the highest point of worship versus us listening to him. If singing is the highest point of worship, then the highest point of worship is God listening to me. If preaching and hearing the word of God is the highest form of worship, then the highest form of worship is me listening to God. Just a thought, just a thought, just a thought. I know not everyone will agree, but just a thought. Now, the reason I'm asking all of these questions about worship is... How long ago? I don't even know. This was published on May the 17th. All right. So May the 17th. So a few days ago, this was published at churchleaders.com. I saw it. It was in the midst of all the craziness and tragedy and pain and grief that this week has included. And I just saved it to my notes. I'm like, I don't have time to read this right now. I don't have time. Let me just save it. So I came up here to the studio. I opened up my notes to see all the things that I had saved. And I'm like, oh, here is one. Let me mention it on this Friday afternoon, fast approaching Friday evening. Here is the headline. You ready? Former Bethel worship leader. Uh-oh, Bethel Church. I'm assuming that's Bethel Church in Redding, California. Bethel Church that I believe is 100% heretical. Bethel Church, their music is everywhere. We could have a long discussion about that, right? I mean, if a church is heretical, should anybody else be using their worship music? Just a thought. Okay, but but I digress. Former Bethel worship. I don't know why she's former. Maybe she left because she changed her theology. I don't know. Former Bethel worship leader, Stephanie Gretzinger. G-R-E-T-Z-I-N-G-E-R. Stephanie Gretzinger explains how we've gotten worship wrong. She's going to explain how we've got worship wrong. I, I, I definitely, I haven't even read the article. I haven't even read the article. I saved it and I thought, let's read it together in real time. We'll see what happens here, okay? So, but let me just tell you what, where I think we get worship wrong. We believe worship is a song service that is cleverly designed to invoke an emotional response. And I think it's designed to do that with mood lighting, volume, following a template and how you go with the upbeat and then you bring it down, the whispering, the the, just everyone be quiet. And the instruments will just kind of be uh, drawing out their notes, long notes like Yeah, letting those notes draw out, creating an atmosphere, creating a vibe, right? Okay, then you go to the preaching. 
And most people believe it's the worship, it's the singing that's the highest form of worship. And I believe when we say that, we're saying, God, you listening to us is the highest form of worship versus us listening to you, because I think the preaching of God's word is the highest level of worship. But, 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 not everyone agrees. There's radically different approaches to that. And I understand that. Now, let's see what Stephanie Gretzinger, former Bethel worship leader, what she thinks we got so wrong. Here we go. There's a picture of her. There's a picture of her uh, in front of a microphone. I don't know. It looks like a more of a podcasting microphone than a, a, a singing microphone, but I could be wrong. I don't know. It's from YouTube. So I don't know. I don't know what this is from or what, what is going on here. But OK, there's the photograph. And then it says this. With several recorded albums and a career within the church, Stephanie Gretzinger has learned a thing or two about worship, what it is and what it is not. The gifted singer known for songs such as Save Me and As the Deer, but what makes Gretzinger stand out among the growing list of worship leaders is her heart for Jesus. When asked how she can stand in front of thousands of people leading worship, she remarked, you go back to the one every time, Gretzinger continued. You come back to the one and you throw down that crown. Okay. Not quite exactly sure how to interpret that, but okay, okay, okay. I'm looking for something more tangible, more specific. All right. Then they have this in bold, almost like a heading, a worship genre. Stephanie Gretzinger chimes in on the culture of worship. Stephanie Gretzinger recently sat down with Will Hart on the Green Room podcast to share her experience and insights into the culture of worship. Now, I would love to find that podcast and to find that episode. If anyone can find a, a way to download said episode, please email me, email me the link, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I would like to listen to it. Here's the information again. Stephanie Gretzinger recently sat down with Will Hart on the Green Room podcast to share her experiences and insights into the culture of worship. Now, let's just stop right here. The phrase culture of worship. Do you believe worship is a culture? It's a culture of worship. I don't know exactly what is meant by that. I'm not sure I, I can't say I disagree with the terminology, but I, I, there's something about it that I just don't like, but I cannot pinpoint yet why. But let, let's see maybe if I'm given any clues to why maybe I should or shouldn't like it. She described, here we go. This is how Stephanie Gretzinger, now remember she came, comes from Bethel. I don't know what church she's in today. I don't know where she is today. I don't know what she's doing today. But, um, you know, I don't know if there's been a theological change. I don't know. But she says this. She described Jesus as meek and lowly throughout his ministry. Gretzinger continued, everyone he chose was, a, was lowly or a hot mess. Throughout the inter interview, she humbly held the tension between leading worship for thousands of people at the same time keeping her focus on Jesus himself. 
All right. Without naming names or recording labels, Gretzinger spoke caution to worship leaders, especially young worship leaders. It's it's so easy to lose focus. While many worship songs are focused on the one true God, so many more songs speak to our individual experiences and benefits we receive from God. All right. I, I, I think a lot of, I, I think you could, I, I, here's what I would think. And this is just my, I'm looking at from a theological standpoint. If the song is about us and our experience and what we've received from God, then is that a worship song? That would be possibly a song of thanksgiving. I don't believe that's a worship song. A worship song would be about God and his attributes. I always try to draw a distinction between praise and thanksgiving. Praise, I am praising God for who he is, for his attributes. Thanksgiving, I'm thanking God for what he has done. Now, I could thank God for who he is, but typically that would then take a form of a praise. So I try to draw a distinction between praise and thanksgiving. So in worship music, if the song is about me and what God has done for me, is that a worship song or is that a song of thanksgiving, thanking God for what he's done? And songs that are about God's attributes, God's character, that's a worship song. Or if it solely just focuses on God's works in the past, like I'm, but I'm still, it's not even so much focused on the work. It's on his power seen in the work or his wisdom seen in the work, seen in the work or his knowledge, which I'm going back then worshiping God for those attributes. Just, just, just a thought. Uh, then it has this in bold, what the secret place has to do with worship. Can we first be obsessed with the one we are singing to? Asked Gretzinger. Okay. So she's talking to worship leaders and asking, can we be obsessed with the one we are singing to? Can we be obsessed with the one we are singing to? I think that's a good question. As a pastor, am I obsessed with the one I'm preaching about? That, that's a, I think that's, that's a question for all Christians. Are we truly obsessed with Christ? Are we truly obsessed with the things of God? Are we truly obsessed with the kingdom of God? Are we truly obsessed with that? I think it's a question we can ask all, uh, we can all ask ourselves that. According to Gretzinger, many young worship leaders get caught up in the calling. Jesus only ever called people to himself, she specified. He said, come and follow me. The commissioning came later, but the calling was to himself first. Now, this is an interesting concept. Should, should we focus on the, the calling, um, right? Um, or should we get caught up in Christ? In other words, do I get caught up in being a pastor? Do I get caught up in being a worship leader? In other words, preparing worship, practicing the songs, rehearsing the songs, figuring out the order of the songs, figuring out when to do this and when to do that. Do I get preoccupied with the calling and the job as a pastor? Do I get preoccupied with the being a pastor, all of the responsibilities, all the frustrations, preparing the sermon, preaching the sermon, hoping it goes goes well. Because I think it's very easy after a while, whether a worship leader, whether a Sunday school teacher, or whether a pastor, that we become obsessed, really, we are focused on 
the mechanics, the activities, the structuring, the preaching, the teaching, not on Christ. We forget that we are to follow, that we should be focused on him, not this other stuff. I think we can all, we all fall into that trap. Now she says, it's the, it's, oh, I think in the art, I think I can find the uh, interview right here. Um, I think there's a YouTube video, so maybe we can get the YouTube video and we can uh, review it. So I don't need you to find it for me. I think it's right here. It's, it's the life and the secret place we are true. Okay. It's the life and the secret place we are truly yielded and walking with him, she said. Now, I don't know exactly what the life and the secret place is supposed to be. Obviously, that sounds like very much language of a, of, I wonder sometimes if the language of a worship leader and the language of theology are separate. Because worship leaders think, I think sometimes speak in terms of emotion, like where a theologian would speak in that which is theological, biblical, right? I wonder if there's a disconnect between the two. I, I don't know. I, just, just a thought, just a thought, but okay. Um, but you can tell when someone's been in the secret place, Gretzinger says, and she, uh, she sees a satisfaction issue. If Jesus isn't at the center, satisfying everything, young people who did not have the structure of intimacy or maturity can be crushed by the weight of crowns being placed on their heads. So I think she's possibly saying, if you're not satisfied with Jesus, then you'll find your satisfaction and pursuing success in being a worship leader, getting your albums made, getting on the charts, getting praise, getting crowns. As a pastor, if you're not satisfied with Jesus, you will look for the the praise of the crowd telling you you're a great preacher for the number of downloads you're getting or for the size of your church. I can't speak for worship leaders. I know I've definitely been there. Where, I, where being a pastor, I've forgotten about Jesus. I just completely forgot about Jesus. It's about you basically get up every day. It's time to make the donuts. Got to get into that study. Got to get ready. Got sermons to preach. Got sermons to preach, right? Being a bivocational pastor. Oh man, that was that was so difficult. Okay, I don't blame it on being bivocational, but I'll, I'm blaming myself. Somebody just said, I'm blaming myself. It's so easy sometimes just to get caught up in the mechanics of it all, right? Time, you know, wake up, time to make the donuts, get that sermon ready, get that podcast episode done, get that sermon ready, go, 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 go. And what am I looking for? I'm looking for someone to say, that was an amazing sermon. Hey, 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 here's my notebook. Yeah, I did the Bible study exercise. Oh, wait, here's my questions. Okay, great, great, great. Like, like you're looking for that. And, and we forget Jesus. In other words, you can do ministry for the sake of ministry, but not for Jesus. You can get focused on the ministry and the adulation and success and praise and accomplishments you can have humanly and forget Jesus. I think we can all forget Jesus. I can't speak for anybody else. I will say I have done that countless times in my ministry where you just find out you're just doing the work, you're 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 doing the work. But it's easy to convince yourself that you're doing it for Jesus because look what kind of work I'm doing. I think that can happen in worship as well. Okay, so I, I, I can confess my own failure here. Kretzinger went on to share about how creatives, and she grew up around a lot of musicians, have a hard time with accountability. They argue 
This is my gift as if the, uh, as if that exempts them from genuine and deep discipleship. Now, I, I sometimes, I do believe it can be a problem in music is you have these artistic people who love music and they want to express things in music, but they don't really want discipleship. They don't really like, they just want to express music. They're more caught up in the music. They more caught up in the performance than they are in Christ. And as a pastor, you can get caught up in the preaching and in the, 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 the excitement of trying to unravel a passage and interpret it and not get caught up in Jesus. Like I think both for the artistic kind, you can get caught up in the music and the performance and the art, right? It's a performance. You're putting on a performance. No matter if you say you're not, you're putting on a performance, right? And if you're a pastor, you may not be putting on a performance, but you can get caught up in preaching and that trying to take a text and articulating it and being, and there's kind of a creative element to it. How can I present this to get the biggest reaction? And, and so guess what? We, we can all fall into that. We can all fall into that. She goes on to say, the fruit will always speak of the root, she said. So many people I've known through the years couldn't open a Bible and tell you where anything was or couldn't preach the gospel. That's scary. That's kind of scary. If she's around, if she's in the worship music world and she's telling me she's around people who couldn't open a Bible and tell anybody where it was and they couldn't preach the gospel, that's a, that's a frightening sign. Gretzinger continued, then we started really loving to be in, in front without identifying and spending time developing the necessary backbone, a genuine relationship with Jesus. There's so much entitlement. There's so much arrogance. I think that there's not been enough of the presence in those places to reveal what's really going on underneath. Second page here, the second page. It comforts me when I read about the Lord rebuking his disciples, Stephanie Gretzinger said, because I know he reproves the one he loves and we have to learn those lessons. Gretzinger told of a time she was in a meeting where they read off the top 60 worship songs. Oh, this is painful to me. They're considered worship, but they're not actually to him. The songs were about God or, uh, okay, hang on. Let me read this again. Gretzinger told of a time she was in a meeting where they read off the top 60 worship songs. Oh, this is painful to me. They're, they're, they're considered worship, but they're not actually to him. These songs were about God or about how people benefit from God. The songs and the lyrics were true, but she said true worship is ministering to God. Favor is one thing, and that can move a room, Gretzinger explained. If we stay close to the presence, then we can feel the difference between high energy and high praise. That feels very different. Okay, that's not super helpful. Okay, then then uh, she goes on to say, um, in a longer interview, Stephanie Gretzinger shared more about her upbringing in the church. As a Nazarene preacher's kid, Gretzinger and her family lived out the power of prayer and learning, leaning into the person of Jesus and the gospel. I watched my parents love the real Jesus and they made it easier for me, Gretzinger said. Uh, continuing on to share how her, her parents, uh, how her parents said, you're worth giving everything. Even though her family was quite musical and led worship, she didn't know 
uh, that would be her calling in life. Gretzinger recalled a powerful time of revival in her church. When my parents would call me as a little girl to sing with them, I would run out of the room because I was so petrified to be in front of people. She explained that the experience of revival began to soften her heart and draw her into a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. Gretzinger was a student at Bethel Church of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California, and remained on the worship staff uh, of Bethel Church for 10 years. Since her time with Bethel, Gretzinger has recorded two more albums, Forever Amen and Faith of My Father, for a total of four album releases. And they don't say where she is today. Now, first and foremost, the fact that you were a part of Bethel and you went to that school. <laughs> Sorry. I don't care what you sing. Your worship is wrong because you went to a heretical church. Okay, that, that's just, we just got to get out of the way. I mean, there's no way to get around that. Put it this way. If, if Bethel is right, then I'm the heretic. And if I'm right, they are the heritage. We both can't be right. It's that simple. Okay, so, so th- there we go. So we can just get that out of the way. So she, it's weird that the article is like, she tells us what we get wrong in worship. And it sounds like what she's saying we get wrong in worship is that we stop really focusing on Jesus. Like the worship leaders focus on everything else. And that we really, and that maybe some of the songs stop being about Jesus and they be, are more about us. And that the whole thing is a problem. I mean, they, did, they didn't really, I mean, the, art, the interview is not very good. Or the person who chopped up the interview for the article, it's not very good. Maybe maybe we can find the audio. But I, I, I will agree with this. I do believe plenty of songs are not actually worship. They are about us. All right? They may be songs of thanksgiving for what God has done for me, but that's not worship. I believe there's a difference. Second, I do believe in all forms of ministry. We can get caught up in the performance. We can get it caught up in the success. We can get caught up in, in all of the mechanics and all of the routine and all of the responsibility. And it stops being about Jesus. I know I can sit here in front of this microphone and try to worry about, did I say that w- word right? Did I mess up my, int- did I mess up the introduction? Uh, you know, did, did my voice, did, did my throat make some sound that I don't like and I need to edit out? How many downloads did I get? How many streams? did I get? How many emails did I get? Like I, I can start looking for all of these factors. And sooner or later, Christian podcasting and Christian ministry is about the mechanics. It's about the activity. It's about the success. It stops being about Jesus. So I, I can confess that I'm guilty of that. So many different ways I'm guilty of that. It would be it would be foolish for me to to say otherwise. I have been guilty of that. Now, obviously, in preaching, you are preaching to people, right? So you do want people to respond. You do want, some, but the thing is, I'm if I'm preaching because I feel that's what God calls me to do, then I have to focus on just being faithful to the text. And I can't worry about what people think. That's that see that it sounds so godly to say that. I can't worry about what but I at the same time, if people don't like it and they leave the church, you do have to start worrying about it at some point. So there's a balance, probably. How do you think we get worship right? How do you think we get worship wrong?
I want you to do this. This may be crazy. I want you to write out like kind of your own structure for your own private worship service, right? How are you going to begin it? What are the things are you going to do in it? And how are you going to finish it? Now, I believe worship is not true worship if we don't hear from God's word, if we don't hear preaching. So a sermon is going to have to be involved, some kind of teaching. So if you were to design, like, how are you going to begin? What are the steps you're going to take? What are you going to listen to? How are you going to end it? What would that worship service look like? And let me ask, would it be more meaningful to you to have this private form of worship, right? If you really designed it as a worship service versus big praise band, mood lighting. Like, I wonder. But just do that. There's a, there's a lot of other questions I have, but I, I just, I'm just curious. I would love to see what you think is like your own personal worship service. You're designing it. You're the worship leader. You're going to put it all together. You're going to structure it, but you're just doing it for you. What, we, what, 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 become, what, what part is most meaningful to you? What part do, helps you? Now, I know, I'm, I know I'm making worship a very individualistic thing instead of a, you know, to use the, the, the buzzword, the communal, the communal way or a community, but in an individualistic way. You get a, get a notebook, a pencil, write out a, 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 a simple worship service for yourself, a simple worship service. How do you begin? What are the things you do? How do you end it? I'd love to see it. Email it to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. But once again, it just demonstrates, no matter what we claim about Christians and all the power we have, here's someone who's been involved in worship for like 20 years, and they're like, hey, we get this wrong. We make it about ourselves. We like, like they acknowledge there's, because that's always the problem. I was hoping she was going to say something rather, rather, rather profound. I, I, I am convicted by the article because I know there's times where I have not made it about Jesus. I'm pursuing more the sermon. I'm pursuing more the unraveling of a mystery of the text. So I'm going to definitely use that article to challenge myself, but I want to challenge all of us. Let's build our own individual worship service where we go through and we, we, we articulate it clearly what it looks like. What would it, what would yours look like? I would love to know what yours would look like. I want to know. Email it to me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I began this whole thing by messing up an introduction, which was irrelevant. Not that big a deal. We did a do-over. But I wonder how much of our worship needs a do-over. I wonder what we could do differently and I wonder what we could do better. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful Friday evening. God bless.